Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Michelle, Michelle Madrid. Welcome to the show. Looking forward to this, Michelle. Thank you very much for having me. I'm absolutely honored to be here with you. Cool. So I've been listening to Michelle. Uh, you were interviewed by um, David, David Shunk on his uh, his his podcast. Um, I was listening to you whilst I was walking our dog this morning. So I know a little bit more about you. Also, um, Michelle's also got a, a, a book out called uh, Letters Be Greater. Letters, Letters Be Greater which you say, it says in the blurb was, because uh, you're a, an adoptee, an adoptee coach, an empowerment coach, but you're also an adoptive mum, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is true. That is correct. So this is, the, the book is named after your your daughter's name in, can you, sorry, I, I can't remember the language. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Let Us Be Greater is... Um... The title of the book, and it is inspired by the journey that I embarked on back in 2010 to adopt my daughter from Ethiopia. Now, I am an adoptee who has adopted. Um, And being in Ethiopia was transformational, transmutational for me. I, um, I write about in the book holding my daughter for the first time, learning the translation of her Ethiopian name which means let her be greater. And it was given to her by the individual who um, found her and brought her into the orphanage. Um, And it was a moment along my adoptee journey that hit me to the core because as I held my daughter, I write in the book and I write in much more detail inside of the book, but I remember looking at her and seeing this vast amount of just potential and beauty and life. And I could see all of it sort of flashing in front of me, like a movie of everything that she would achieve and just become and, and the beauty of her and the power in even the brokenness of her story. Yet in that moment, I realized I, I don't see that in myself and I need to get to the why of that. I need to understand why I don't see the same kind of potential inside of me. And it sort of embarked, I embarked at that point, really, on a deeper journey. There's no doubt that I had been working on myself for a long time, and I had definitely evolved. But there was some deeper work that I realized in that moment that I still needed to do in the areas of self-worth and just loving myself and being comfortable in my own skin. Hadn't gotten to that point yet, not quite yet in 2010. So thus embarked the journey, um, which has brought me to where I am today. And the title of this book, Let Us Be Greater, definitely a tribute to um, that journey that started in Ethiopia for me. Yeah. So um, I, I want to take you back. F- firstly, fantastic, you know, um, and, and that depth, uh, the, the depth that you're alluding to there is uh, is huge, right? Um, yeah. What I'm thinking is you, you you talked about transformation and transmutation now, i've heard of transformation actually it's a word that we use it's, it's it's a word that's used quite a lot um i think i once heard it descri- uh, defined or um yeah dis- described as beyond form Tra- transform as in beyond form 
Yeah. I, it might that might just be my mind playing tricks on me, right? Have you have you had <laughs> something similar to that? Well, trend to transform, I think, means to almost um for me at least, I'm just talking for me as um to transform, say, a belief. I I put on a different set of lenses, perhaps, on a belief that I've had. Maybe it's been a limiting belief and I um, I take the time and do the work of looking at that belief and I transform it into a limitless truth. I take it from one thing and transform it into um, something that is, I would think, life affirming and and certainly more um, empowering for me to, to move forward with in my life. Trans, to transmute, I think, is um, really changing from one state one form into something completely different um i think that has to do with the evolving into the next version of who we're here to be so um and and i think that comes with doing work that is transformative in looking at our beliefs in our experiences looking at our perspectives on life and doing the work of maybe reframing those things um, lovingly reframing those things um, so that we open the door to becoming more, becoming greater, stepping into that next version of who we're here to be in this life. It's the evolving, I think, if that makes sense. Yeah. The um, think for for me that that transformation thing. I'm just trying to because I think it sits very well with the themes that you're talking about. Um, I, I think as I listened to your 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 take on it, I was thinking it tra- transform is is be beyond form, and it's something to do with our um, spiritual essence, our spirit, our life force, our life, our energy, our what people in the East might call chi. So, mm. it, it, transformational growth is beyond form. Beyond form is about about spirit uh, and i'm get you nodding so i'm guessing i'm i'm on we're on similar grounds here yeah absolutely i think and i think that's beautiful thank you for adding that depth and that layer to it yes transform beyond form definitely has to do with um i think that the soul work um that i have been here to do as an adoptee as a woman as a human being um, and I do believe that it, it's very deeply spiritual, um, this path that I have been on and that I help other adoptees um, along in their own, you know, along their own journeys. And certainly in this book, approaching healing as an adoptee from a spiritual place as we work through soul work modalities of healing to go deeper and yes, to heal ourselves um, in a way that is um, deeply, deeply, I think, spiritual and um, of, of essence, if that would, if that would um, um, sit with you, just that deeper place of knowing who we are and why we're here beyond what we've been told in our lives, um, beyond the narrative that has you know, for many of us in the framework of our lives, going and doing the deep work that helps us to arrive to our own narrative, our own truth, and then stepping into that truth so that we can emerge 
um, you know, whole and with new, um, I think, perspective and new directives in our lives, taking possession of our lives and our narratives, I think is a very powerful, healing, worthy journey for each and every adoptee. Um, the the book s- seems to me to be a uh, t- to look at the, the the spiritual essence that you've been just been alluding to with that I've been alluding to, and the and, and the kind of like the the psychological side as well. Um, how, how do you see the how do you see the relative importance of those both both those parts of us? Should we say? Um, psychological and spiritual. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that's, I I had a look through the book. I, I, unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to, to, uh, to read it. That's what I was asking if you were going to do an audio book because I devour audio, you know, like a couple of hours a day. Right. Yeah. Um, But because I'm listening in the car, I'm listening when I'm walking the dogs, but yeah. So um, as I looked at it, it, it seemed to be, it seemed to be addressing both parts of healing, if you look at it, if we if you can use that healing word, it, it looked at healing from a, a, a spiritual perspective and also a psychological perspective. That that's how it seemed seemed to me, and and I don't know whether that you were trying to get both sides, were you? I don't know. Um, I might be going to. Uh, no, not at all, not at all. I think that's a really important point because um, if you look at the psychological aspects of this adoptee experience. There's so much, I think, that we can feel um, in some ways trapped inside of narratives that have been given to us about our adoptions, our stories, our first families, first, say, if you're international adoptee like myself, my first country, first culture. Um, And psychologically, I think that can feel very disempowering when somehow, some way, deep, deep, deep within myself, I feel something differently. And what I mean by that is that when we are told sort of this is your story, this is what happened, this is who you are now, what happened before doesn't necessarily matter anymore, just move on just be grateful. I think that does damage to us psychologically in in the way of just disempowering um, ourselves from trusting our own gut intuition, trusting our own decisions, trusting our ability, the desire, the hunger that we have to know ourselves more and perhaps even love ourselves at some point to come home to ourselves. And I think that is deep spiritual work. So looking at the, the psychology of where we're at at a certain point in our lives as adoptees, the the beliefs that we might have that might be limiting our potential, disempowering us, causing us not to get to that place of loving ourselves, feeling a sense of self-worth, looking at how this experience may have or may be impacting us psychologically, and then doing the deep dive of going to an inner knowing that each and every one of us possesses, adoptee or non-adoptee, to tap into that place, which is the wellspring of knowledge of who you are, of innate knowing of who you are. The, the place where we feel 
the pulse of our ancestry, our first families, our first cultures, what came before the adoption, who we were before adoption happened in our lives. How can we be whole as adoptees if we're living from the point of adoption and not given access to go back and explore those places inside of ourselves that we feel, but oftentimes are told it's not okay to go there or we fear rejection, or we fear being looked at as not being grateful for the lives that we have or um, have been given through adoption. I think it's that bridge that we have to connect um, and build that brings us, that fills the gap and brings us home to ourselves in that way on a deeply spiritual, personal, and empowering ultimately level. Yeah. Do you, how, how do you see the relative importance of those two parts of the psychology and uh, and the spirit, that spiritual essence? Well, I, I, I I'm separating them. I'm separating them. Perhaps you don't, right? And and if I'm driving my agenda, no. much, I don't want to do that. No, no, no. Um, the importance of understanding how, and I'm I'm going to unpack this. So so hang in there with me. <laughs> The importance of understanding our own psychology. So as an adoptee, just, I I know we're not getting deeply into my own story, but I can tell you that I had a ton of limiting beliefs growing up that I just somehow wasn't worthy. I had stories in my head about, even as at the youngest of, of, at the youngest of age, that there must be something wrong with me that would cause my first parents to turn away from me. So I was constantly sort of scanning the landscape around me, looking for evidence of what was wrong with me. Because in my community, after being adopted, I was in foster care first and then adopted by Americans. But I didn't have kids around me who were adopted. If they were, they didn't talk about it. And what I saw were more intact families that, you know, friends who were born into a family and stayed with a family. So what did they have that I didn't possess? I was constantly looking for that. And so my psychology was wrapped up in what I saw or perceived as deficits within myself somehow tainted damaged goods and and i'm just saying that that's how i viewed the world and i was all because you know i was focused on that i'm a big believer where focus goes energy flows so if i'm focused on looking for evidence of how i am less worthy than the other kids around me that energy is going to find me and it's going to remind me that i'm not worthy and, and, you know, day after day after day, it just, it just beats you down and your light gets dimmed and you unplug from a source within yourself that is so powerful. And as I grew and as I matured, and as I started doing work of self-discovery and self-healing, I realized that is not sustainable. I cannot live with that psychology that every day tells me I'm not worthy of love of the potential that is seated within my veins of having a life that is joy filled and exciting and, and perhaps even 
giving love and receiving love openly. So that is not, that is a story that I'm, that I, that has been programmed in my head, no fault of my own, but it's not serving me in the here and now. And so how do I go about changing that? How do I change the story that is reminding me each and every day that I'm not worthy of the things that I most desire in my heart and in my soul? And so I believe that we have a wealth of knowledge and information inside of us. And it's from that very spiritual place, the place that speaks to us of our worth and our potential, the place that reminds us that we are love and that we are here to give and receive love. And so diving deep into the spiritual pool of who I am has been hugely beneficial for me along this journey. It benefits the adoptees that I coach. And I hope through this book, it will benefit others, other adoptees who read the book, who are struggling with the psychology of this experience. As one adoptee once told me, this is a mind F. I won't say the word, but you know what I'm saying. He said, adoption is a mind F. And it's because we get so trapped in our minds from the narrative we've been told and what we see as the evidence all around us, my evidence was my parents left me. There has to be something wrong with me. And the fact of the matter is there's nothing wrong with me. There never was. And as I, as I did my own journey of self-exploration and was able to access my foster records from the United Kingdom, I realized that my parents were just real flawed human beings, just like me, in a difficult situation. They made choices that they thought in the moment was best. Did it hurt me? Yes, it did. But do I have the power within me to forgive them so ultimately I can forgive myself and be free and move forward? I think that's what we as adoptees, we have to get to that point of asking ourselves that question, actually adopted or not. What are the things that have hurt us in our lives? Do we want to stay trapped by those things or do we want to do the deep healing work of freeing ourselves so that we can move forward and expand our lives and evolve in our lives and become everything we are here to be? And I don't mean to ramble, but that's that's my <laughs> that's my answer. <laughs> You're so lovely to sit and listen to me <laughs> rambling away. <laughs> Uh, we're just going deep, right? I'm, I'm, I'm just encouraging you to go deep because that's where the good stuff is. Mm. It, it's deep, buried way below those um, yeah. beliefs, and uh, and, and, yeah. and way, beneath, way, way beneath, uh, uh, way beneath the trauma, right? And yeah, and, yeah, and, it's you're talking about the work of excavation, and that's you know what we explore in the book is. It is deep. It's deep, deep digging. It's going, you think you've gone down to the bottom layer and you, then you say, yeah, no, I'm sure there's at least a couple more. And I'm going to keep digging until I get to the the wound that is really gnawing at me each and every day. And I'm going to be willing to look for the wisdom in that wound because I believe the wisdom exists in, in, in those, those, those deep, deep wounds that are, that are waiting for us to come. So yeah, it is, it is deep, deep work. And I'm so glad that you said that, Simon. So it, it is, it, it is that 
I, I use the word spirit. You're, you've used the word spirit and you've used the word soul. Do you use those um, kind of like a, as um, interchangeably? Do you use those words as they as they mean the same to you, or do they mean slightly different things to you? Or um, I use them both. Um, I am I am a soul in this physical experience and i live a life that i call spirit forward i i really work to do that each and every day where i show up from a spiritual place within myself i want to fill myself up with that sense and and in the doing trust that that overflows into everything and everyone that i touch on any given day so for me they there, I think so. I am a soul, and I want to live. I think the spirit is is living as an example of what that looks like. Living from a spiritual place, that for me is deeply healing. It is, um, it is that place where you know the water within never stops flowing, and that's what I want to be um, connected with each and every day and i want to set my focus on that so my uh, and wow such powerful powerful language here um my take on my, my take on, on on our trauma is is that our, our trauma is is psychological uh and that that psychological trauma it it, it 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 rather than damaging our spirit it it veils our spirit that's how i that's how that, that's my take take on it right so um would you how, how do you see how do you, do you see the world that way do you see that that way or or in a different way i think that is absolutely accurate absolutely it it is we have for so long not been able to say the word trauma inside of the adoption conversation there are many who don't see adoption as trauma but we forget or <clears throat> many have not been awakened to the fact that adoption is rooted in loss and the trauma it is it is the adoption loss that is so traumatizing the loss we experience through the severing of what was and the um the shifting into what becomes after that severing and there is loss there and the loss is traumatic and as adoptees we haven't been able to speak to that loss we're just starting to do so and and that's such an empowering beautiful thing and because it's real adoption loss is real so the trauma is as you said it is psychological trauma it does it's it 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 i think it just it messes with our minds as we explore why why did this happen um as we try to fit together find missing pieces of our stories and and the and the people in those stories is we feel things that are very real inside of us, but are told perhaps it's not okay to go there and, and explore. And so it does put a veil around our spirit. 
I say it dims our light. I mean, for me, we have the essence of who we are is this beautiful inner light and it dims down due to the psychological trauma and how we have been made to um, live, exist, survive inside of that space um, and not do the work, not be given permission and not even know how to give ourselves selves permission, that self-permission, which is so key to look at the psychological trauma, to hold it. You know, the saying, um, an adoptee just recently said to me, you can't heal what you, what you're not able to hold, to hold that trauma in our hands, to look at it, to witness it, to explore it and to, begin to pull back the veil on our spirits. I, I, it's such a thin veil, Simon, you know, I used to think it was this deep, heavy, dark cloak, and it can certainly feel like that. But as I've done the work, I realize it's this thin veil that separates the real me from this person that I've been made to, to live as I don't want to be an imposter in my own life. We hear adoptees saying that all the time. I feel like an imposter. I feel like a foreigner, an alien in my own life. I don't want that for myself or for any adoptee. I want us to lovingly, compassionately, soulfully, spiritually do the work of moving that veil gently, you know, layer by layer, peeling that veil away so that our spirits can shine and we can live authentically as we as we are supposed to live we each and every one of us it's what we crave is to live authentic lives but there is that layer as adoptees that tells us we can't and i want to remind adoptees that not only we can but we must get back to that place where we feel fully ourselves fully alive and it's worthy work Each and every one of us is worthy of doing that, like you said, deep work of exploration. So the the book works on both, right? The the book works on it. It it works on uh, psychological trauma and our essential soul nature. That's absolutely. So Um, if we look at like limiting beliefs, as I call them, logos of limitation in the book, the reader will work to identify what might be the beliefs psychologically that I am living with right now that might be holding me back from stepping in to the person that I'm here to be, living my life authentically, loving openly. And, and putting myself first, even, you know, we talk about pleasing others versus pleasing the self in the book, getting back to doing the things that fill me up so that I can, you know, actually connect with what I need. And so, yes, we work to identify, and I'm giving you an example, limiting beliefs, and then once we've identified those, are are it could be one limiting belief. Maybe it's it's more than one. But then we do we go and we and we dive into the spiritual, and we do reflection exercises, um, meditations, visualizations. We do soul work modalities to help you begin to transform, transmute the limiting beliefs. Um, are the 
the points of pain along this experience as adoptees. So absolutely, it's about identifying how these pain points affect us psychologically, emotionally, physically even, because pain is housed in the bones. We know that. Um, and then doing the soul work modalities that awaken us to, um, I think, our, our own power to heal. There's a saying, um, I don't know if you've heard of Tony Robbins, um, but there's a saying, um, he says, everything you need to heal is found within you now. I learned that many, many years ago from Tony and it changed my life because I didn't believe that. And I say this, this to myself, this mantra to myself each and every day, everything you need to heal is found within you now. It's right within us. It's just under the veil. And um, we can get there voice by voice, adoptee by adoptee, doing the individual work. Ultimately, yes, it is our own individual journey, but together as a community, we can um, help to hold one another and inspire each other forward. Fantastic. Um, on, on the on the on the blurb for the book, you say that adoptees are crying out to find a way back to themselves. What what do you mean by themselves? I think it's the authenticity of who they are, and claiming the truth of who they are. And you know, for me, I felt so disconnected from that place of authenticity growing up. And this is no um, blame or shame on anyone in my adoptive family. That's not what I, I'm about. That's not how I live my life. But I had to understand that I have the right to live authentically as who I am and to take the steps that I felt were essential to get back to that person who I felt inside of me for so long but I avoided, I made invisible, I muted down. And that person was my youngest self. I was Julia Dawn before I was adopted and became Michelle. But parts of that little girl, you know, I had, I had really um, um, muted. And I had told myself she doesn't exist anymore, just keep her quiet, but she did exist inside of me. And so getting back to that first me, as I call it, was essential for me. Um, and then doing the work of, of asking myself, well, who, who am I? What do I want? What do I wanna know about my own adoption story? And, and what, are the, what are the pathways that I want to embark on? to come to a deeper place, a deeper sense of truth for myself. I mean, part of it for me was certainly um, going back to my, my name of Madrid. That is from my bio father's side. I wanted to claim that because I never felt, mm, I never felt comfortable with my adoptive last name. It just didn't feel like me, but I lived with it for years. So I took that step. I tattooed my first name of my first me, Julia Dawn, on my arm. Um, I've done the genealogy work. I've done the deep spiritual work. I have reunited with some members of my bio family on both sides to come just to an, a deeper understanding of who I am, um, the, the sense of um, identity in, in that, that beats 
inside of me, just like my beating heart. I want to come home to me and feel comfortable. Nothing feels or should feel more comfortable than coming home to a place that feels safe, that I can trust, or I can be me, kick off my shoes. I wanted to feel that comfortable inside of me, the body that houses this soul, that each and every day I look at myself and I say, oh yeah, there you are. There you are. I don't know how I can live a life that's authentic, healthy, whole, thriving, if I can't get to that place of coming back home to me and reuniting with myself on just like the absolute deepest levels. Um, have you done parts work? Have you, have you, have you done uh, the parts work modality of therapy? We, we have, uh, we've had quite a few therapists on the adoptee therapists on, on the show that have done that stuff. So um, spe speaking with the different parts of ourselves, connecting. Yeah. So there's uh there's um uh, one of the episodes put out last week uh was with a part of, she goes in into this and and it, it sounded like that that's what you'd done done so we make the distinction between the parts and then the uppercase s self right mm, so yeah. the uppercase self s uppercase s self um i just do do you <laughs> Have you come across this where people say it doesn't matter what we call it? You, you know, like in that spirit search, you know, people just it doesn't matter what you call it. Yes, it does matter what you call it. You know, because if you don't know, if you don't clarify your terms, then um, absolutely it's gonna be a little bit tricky. So yeah. uppercase S. Um so the the way that I, I, the analogy that I came up with whilst I was talking to um uh to, to the therapist about this uh last week was that you know have you ever played trivial pursuits yes yeah? okay so the uppercase s self is it is the container right it, it, mm -hmm. it's the little round container in which the six triangles go in yeah mm -hmm. and when mm -hmm. we get that when we get the sport answer correct we get mm -hmm. maybe the pink triangle the drink mm -hmm. the pink cheese and we put the pink cheese in that yeah mm -hmm. so um uh parts work is uh, the the book by the guy who came up with parts work is it's called no bad parts right so the parts are trying to tell us something they're trying to mm -hmm. take us back home you talked about coming back home yeah. so the uppercase s self is 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 the whole thing uh, and then we've got the parts with kind of within that um uh, so when we when you say adoptees are crying out to find a way back to themselves, you're you're talking about spirit or uppercase S self, yeah? Is that right? Yes, I am on a on a on a spiritual level, and but then doing the the work as part of that is absolutely looking at the parts of ourselves that need to be um, tended to lovingly, compassionately tended to, um, and. I'm, I move through um, in a way of looking at the points of pain, the pain points of this experience. Um, and how do we, you know, how do we transform those points of pain into points of light and ultimately come home to ourselves? Absolutely. I think it's so important to look at our grieving parts, um, you know, the various parts of ourselves that just need to be 
need to be looked at. And again, I say lovingly held because this book is, is a gentle approach and it is a loving approach because I think we need to give ourselves a lot of love as adoptees. Um, but I, I absolutely understand what you're saying by the, the parts. And I agree. There are no bad parts. There are no bad parts. And when we do the work and, and again, for adoptees, I want each and every adoptee to, to know, really understand and take in that your journey is yours to craft out. You are the architect of your healing journey. And so follow that beautiful intuitive part of who you are and choose the paths of healing that feel good and right for you. We don't often have that experience growing up as adoptees to really claim what feels right for me, what feels what feels good? You know, what feels healthy and whole? I was always looking for what does everyone else want from me? How can I please that person? What do I need to say or do? I didn't ask myself for a very long time. Well, what might Michelle want? What do, what might I want? What feels good for me? And that's such a beautiful gesture of just self-love and self-honoring and um, leads you down the beautiful path of just self knowledge and self-knowing. And so um, I just wanted to mirror back on the no bad parts. I'm a complete total yes on that. There are no bad parts. Um, you, you've mentioned um, limiting beliefs a couple of times. You mentioned the word beliefs uh, and it, it's here in the, in, in the blurb that came through from the publisher. Um, it's right. In, in my, in my experience, my, my take on it, we, we don't, hear the word beliefs mentioned a lot in adoptee circles in 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 our circles it seems to be it's it's all about the trauma and the word beliefs uh, it's not so widely used that that's my take on it do you do you think the same do you do you believe the same Or, or or do you think beliefs are kind of talked about maybe i'm just missing it in my circles no i think that the limiting beliefs are rooted in the trauma. So if I don't feel that I'm worthy, if I feel unwanted, if I feel unlovable, um, I, I think it's, it's, we have to get to the point of looking at, well, that's rooted in the trauma, isn't it? That's rooted in the loss of this experience that I've experienced, right? Of adoption loss of, of having something early in my life severed and then something else was sewn from that. But in between, there is a great deal of loss and grief that needs to be explored because, you know, you hear we're angry adoptees because we speak out about our journeys, our perspectives, and maybe we're trying to bring a little truth to the table, but we're not angry adoptees. You know, we're we're adoptees who are grieving a loss that was real in our lives that we've not been able to openly express. And so from that um, from that trauma, limiting beliefs can take root. And I think that's what I'm I'm getting at is let's explore the limiting beliefs that are seated in the trauma. And let's understand that we are not the limiting belief. I I feel unwanted, but I am not unwanted. I am wanted in this life. I am here. I have breath. My heart is beating for me. I am wanted by something, someone much bigger than myself. And I think that's really 
important for us to get to that place of, of understanding that the belief, the limiting beliefs that hold us back are rooted in the trauma. And so we do the work of identifying those things, of understanding our trauma, identifying the limiting beliefs, working to, you know, shift those into our empowering truths and, and move forward in our lives. And, and, and that's not, it's not easy work. It's, it's a, it's a lifelong journey, but the more we have out there, the more we share the differing perspectives, experiences um, of this adoptee journey, the more adoptees share their, um, you know, professional, whether if you're a therapist or you're a life coach like myself, you're someone doing the work, we share what what has worked, what is working, the more and more we put those pieces together and begin to unite those parts, um, I think we just build a, a bridge for adoptees to, to step on and, and merge that gap um, between where they are now and ultimately where they want to be in their lives. And that's what I'm concerned about. Where do adoptees want to get to? And let's help them get there with all of the different perspectives and modalities and offerings that we have, we build this beautiful bridge um, that carry us, carries us across to something greater in our lives. You, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago at the start of the answer to that question, you were, you were, dis, uh, you were um, distinguishing, making a, a, a point of difference between how we feel and who we are. That mm-hmm. you yeah. talk a little bit more about that because I'm in I'm in that camp, right? I, I, I'm I, I'm in that camp, and frankly, uh, when I say it, it doesn't it, it doesn't really seem like it lands for other people. To me, it was a big thing, right? For me to separate how I feel from who I am was a big thing. But when I say it to other people, they they, they it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to mean anything to them. Does, mm. Did it mean something to you when you first saw that? Absolutely. Um, well, I think that goes back to understanding that words are powerful. And the thoughts that we have, the words that we speak, it creates our reality and the life that we live. So if I, if I say I am unlovable, then I am, I am connecting to the identity that is who I am. I am unlovable. And I began to understand the nuance of the words that I was using in my own life, that I am not, I I am not unlovable. That's not who I am. It's not my identity, but I'm having a thought that's saying I'm, I'm not lovable. So let me get curious about that and let me not identify myself as that thing. But let me take that thought and just hold it in my hand and look at it and start to examine it and understand that I am an, a, a worthy human being who is wanted in this life because I am here. And let me explore this thought that's telling me I'm not lovable. Um, I am a person, a real person experiencing a thought of not being lovable. It's not who I am. Let me look at this thought. Let me ask it, 
Why did it come up in this moment? What is it here to teach me? What is it here to show me? Maybe how it's even here to grow me. Let me get curious about it. I always like to say, you know, curiosity is the cure. You need to be really curious about the words that we use with ourselves and 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 begin to explore why they show up and when they do. And um, then I ask myself, well, what is a what is a thought that would be a better feeling thought? Or how can I change the channel on this programming, which is a limiting programming, right? That's telling me I'm not lovable. Well, I remind myself that I am love. I am love. And I say it, even if I don't believe it in that moment, I am love. I'm going to attach a word that is life affirming to the words I am. I am love. I am love. I am here. My heart is beating for me. I say this because our hearts beat 100,000 times a day. We don't even have to think about it. It's a gift. It's beating for us because we are wanted here. And and so I just, I do the work of transforming those words and and reminding myself that it's not my identity. I'm not going to attach the word unlovable to my identity. It's a feeling that I'm having. It's a thought that came across. It's valid to be explored but it's not who I am. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, what, what have been some of your biggest uh, aha moments on along this journey or, or the, can you describe a, a, a setting, something, because you're coming out with some big stuff, right? And I'm just, I'm very, I'm intrigued about the kind of the, the settings or the modalities or the moments or whatever something something has led to these big shifts so you talk you talked earlier on about um first seeing your uh, the 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 daughter you adopted did you say 2010 right so 13 years ago that that was clearly was a huge shift for you you saw infinite potential in her but didn't see it within yourself mm. Have there been other similar kind of shift moments since then? Can you share some? Oh, absolutely. So many. And and I do want to say I truly believe that when we do um, the work of um, connecting with spirit, that as adoptees, I believe that um, reunion even takes on a whole different um, meaning. And the potential for reunion becomes um, without boundary. And what I mean by that is I, I found my bio brother um, after my, my bio father had passed away. And I remember when I learned of my father's passing, I was so angry. I screamed out to the heavens like this is too final. This is the this is an abandonment he has left and I can never have the reunion that I've been striving so hard to 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 coordinate um to arrive to. And so I found my brother after our father had passed and we met in Spain. And I remember the very first day we met, it was raining. And we sat down on my couch. I was living in Spain at the time. 
um, just getting back to my, my Spanish roots, that side of myself that I so treasure and adore. And um, my brother looked at me and said, a month before our dad passed, he looked at me and said, I have a daughter out there somewhere. I had been told all of my life, speaking of narrative, that my father didn't even want to know when I was born. But then in that moment, with my bio brother, I learned in that reunion with my brother that my father spoke to him, I have a daughter out there somewhere, which means he knew when I was born, he knew that he had a daughter and he kept that secret to himself all of his life. But he shared that part of his journey. He shared that secret with his son a month before he passed, which spoke to me on a spiritual level that my father loved me and that he thought of me all of his life. All of those moments where I thought he didn't care he was holding me, I believe, I mean, in my heart. And that was a message that he he shared with his son. And now my brother didn't, my brother thought he's just, you know, he's speaking out of his head. He was in his last weeks of life. He's, you know, and when I called my brother, when I did find him, um, I, I called him on the phone and I said, this is Michelle, I'm your sister in America. And he goes, I know. And he knew because it all came together in that moment when he found, when we found each other, it's like my dad was trying to tell me that he had a daughter and I had a sister. And so I believe in that moment in Spain with my brother, my father was there and there was spiritual reunion and he had guided me and my brother to meet and to connect from his, the, a spiritual place. That thin veil had been moved back. And my father was actually being fatherly and uniting his children. It was a huge moment in my life of understanding, Michelle, don't place all these rigid timelines on your adoptee journey. Because when you open yourself up to that spiritual place and the flow of of life, and it's not so rigid, and it has to be this way, it has to look that way reunion can happen on various planes and various ways. It could be, you know, it be, it can be a song that you hear that, that you feel something and you stop and think, well, you know, how does that connect? I don't know. It could be anything. It'd be, I, I grew up Simon loving to eat olives out of jars and drink the juice. And when I met my brother, he said, you know what I always used to love to do is open jars of olives and eat them all and drink the juice. And I go, me too. <laughs> it was just like this extraordinary moment of, I didn't understand growing up that those feelings, those experiences, those things that I liked and that seemed quirky and weird to my adoptive family just might be the real me shining through and connecting to something that was innate within myself. I hope that makes sense. But there's these moments that are miracle moments when we just open ourselves to contemplating that, for instance, reunion can happen on a spiritual level. It doesn't have to be a face-to-face -face necessarily event. Um, 
and that these little pebbles along the pathway of our lives as adoptees ultimately can bring us home to a deeper reunion with ourselves. I love who I am today, and I can't say that I always have or always did. I used to really not love the girl I saw in the mirror because I saw everything I thought was wrong with her that caused my family to leave. And in that moment with my father, with my brother, and I do believe my father was there spiritually, um, I recognize that I go back to it. I, I was loved. I am love, you know, and the journey of loving ourselves is a beautiful thing. And I certainly hope as I speak these words right now, where, where my father is, my first father, I hope that he loves himself because um, he, he didn't do anything intentionally to hurt me. And I thought for a long time that he had. So. Yeah. Wow. That that um, feels like a good place to bring it in, unless you've got something that you want to share that I've not asked you about. No, this has been really deep and you've taken me on a, on a journey. I really appreciate it. And I think that's it. It's the journey individually and collectively as adoptees that I want us to see. I want to see us go on this, these deep dives and, 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 and the immersion into our own feelings, thoughts, and then the emerging of ourselves as something new, greater, better, stronger, wiser. Um, that's what I want for myself. And um, I hope that I can be a source of support for other adoptees along the same journey of, of just deep discovering and, and coming home to who they are. One final question, if I may. What would you like to call this? This, this conversation? Episode? Oh my goodness. I usually have to li listen back to things. <laughs> <laughs> to get clarity on that, but perhaps it is, um, it could, we said coming home to self, um, coming home to self a lot in this journey um, together today. Um, That's Nancy Vario's second book. Is it really? Yeah. You think? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, I, I, and I've, I've read it. And what you've said has made far more sense than what she wrote in that book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm like, I'm like, I hope I'm making sense because I am just rambling. But yeah. I love... No. I love what you said too, that that part we were talking about with the limiting, but the, the identity, like, you know, identifying ourselves, not as the words that we use, but understanding that we have the, you know, the limiting words that we use. We have this uncanny, uncanny ability to, um, to restate, you right. It's not, it's not who we are. I loved exploring that with you. It's not who we are, these words that we use, but it's a valid feeling, a thought that we're having, um, but it's not our identity. I think identity is, has been a real 
key for me, the understanding that these things that happen to me, the circumstances don't define who I am. Oh my gosh, they defined who I was for a very long time. And um, I mean, when you read your foster records, at least mine, the the labeling was intense of, you know, who I was, the labeling that we, that we put on young children in these situations is, um, is uncalled for. And, you know, certainly there were a ton of labels in my foster records. And it was interesting when I read those records as, as an adult, I knew them already because the words that we use, the words that social workers used around me and about me that they, they penetrate. Someone says, uh, an adoptee said the words used about me, um, stuck and it sucks, you know, um, they, they leave a sticky residue and becoming, um, you know, unglued to those things is, is, has been a journey for me just to peel them back and say, no, 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 that's not who I am. That's not who I am. Never was. I forgive myself for believing that. And thank you for showing me what I don't want in my life so I can move forward with what I do want and who, who I really am and what I'm really here to do. Um, so that was an interesting exploration. Thank you. You're uh, delightful. I'm, I'm looking, I'm reading through your blurb. Right, I'm not. I'm not doing. I'm not doing anything. I'm, because there was something about conditioning here. Um. So you, the word stick. Yeah. yeah. You, you know the word stick. So what? What happens? And and I was looking through through the through the blurb because it what what happens is we take that that belief sticks to us and becomes what was external becomes internal. It becomes our conditioning. And for a simple guy like me, it's like the the conditioning is the veil. Yeah, yeah. The conditioning is is what you call the 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 the, the, the veil. Um, yeah. And and I love that point. I I I love that the way that you described the thinness of that veil. Um, uh, because that that's that's hiding who we are, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and the so the 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 books, uh, listeners, the book is built on the foundational belief that every adoptee is a hero, capable uh, capable of healing their pain, emerging from limiting beliefs, reframing their experiences, and overcoming any obstacle. Now we we don't hear a lot of that sort of stuff. Mm-mm. in the adoptee land um we hear you know we just hear we just hear all the trauma stuff and n- nobody's ever quoted uh, tony robbins on this sh- this show before right and we've done 370 episode three, 370 episodes B- beliefs I-, I i love the way that you expressed that that um because you, you you completely anticipated my question um was which is how how beliefs and trauma are intertwined. I think it was the word that you used. Um, and for me, it's been a bit of a fascination, um, and that's a contradiction in terms itself over the last couple of months, right? Because to me, b- 
believes seem believes seem far more bustable than trauma seems healable. Mm. Mm. Like, oh, it's a belief, right? Oh, it's a belief. I can, I can, I can have a look at that belief. I can take that out. I can put a magnifying glass on, and I can look at the belief, and I might be able to see through it. Mm. Oh, but if it's trauma, oh, it's deep rooted. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely snookered to use a, a a polite word. You know, I'm I'm stuck with this. I'm I'm stuck with this. And 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 your message that that the essence uh, who we are is veiled. Trauma and our beliefs veil who we are. They don't change who we are. It's beautiful. Thank you. You know it's it is is so true, and 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 again, the beliefs are rooted in the trauma. And I'm not saying that the trauma didn't happen; it did happen, and we have to be able to claim that this was trauma. This is trauma. This was a significant happening in my life, and it hurt. It hurt to know that my mom dropped me in a away, you know, dropped me off at a foster care home, and. The chimney wasn't working. There was no fire. The house was cold on that on that cold day. And she turned around and left me there. And it was chaotic. Those things hurt. But I can't be trapped inside of the trauma forever. Because then I don't live. I don't get a chance to, to look at those, those things that are rooted in the trauma. The beliefs, the limiting beliefs, the lack of self-love, the, the feelings of unworthiness. I... I don't want to be stuck there and suffer there forever. The, the trauma happened. I have to do work of forgiving. I do forgiving myself, forgiving others. That's why I put the, the Hawaiian prayer of Ho'oponopono at the end of the book, because it has been absolutely, it has been miraculous for me in my life to understand that forgiveness within frees me Yes, to forgive others, yes, but ultimately it's a gift of freedom for myself so I can move forward and take that fresh step onto a new path of of living. So I, I don't want to ever say that, the, you know, I don't make light of the trauma. I, I, I know the trauma. I know the trauma. And um, I also, you know, Simon, I know we need to go, but just, you know, I also want to make it clear and i say in the book that we hear so much about what's wrong with our bio families what was wrong with our bio families their their imperfections where do we go as adoptees to talk about the imperfections of our adoptive families i grew up in a house with a alcoholic adoptive father it's traumatic um so you know undoing those patterns of trauma from my bio side and my adoptive side has been a real journey. At the end of the day, if I don't forgive, I will not free myself to move forward. And so that's, a, I think, a powerful thing in the book too, is, is just the understanding the power of forgiveness. And I hope that the prayer of Ho'oponopono, the ancient Hawaiian prayer will help adoptees in that way as well. Thank you very much. Thank you, listeners. Thank you. And uh, we will speak to you again very soon. Bye-bye.